Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Giles Milton, host of the Unknown History Podcast, and you're listening to a special mini-series from historian Tom Clavin on Wild Bill Hickok. Hi, I'm Tom Clavin, and this is part two of Wild Bill, the softer side of Wild Bill Hickok. It should surprise no one that Wild Bill Hickok was a ladies' man. As detailed in my book, Wild Bill, there were quite a few romances during his too short life, some with local ladies referred to as Indian Annies in the towns he passed through. Some affairs, however, were more serious than others. The first serious one that actually had James Butler Hickok, as he was known then, occurred when he was not yet 20 years old and new to Kansas, where he had moved from Illinois to establish a new family farm. Her name was Mary Jane Owen. Her parents were Patanu, a Shawnee Indian, and John Owen, who had taken a liking to the young newcomer. The older Owen would have been delighted to have the handsome James Hickok as a son-in-law, but it was not to be. Polly Hickok, the matriarch of the family, was appalled at the prospect of having grandchildren with Indian blood. In a letter to his family, signed James Hickok, he referred to Mary as my gal. In another, signed James Butler Hickok, I went to see my gal yesterday and eat 25 years of corn to fill up with. You ought to be here and eat some of her biscuits. She is the only one I ever saw that could beat mother making biscuits. And in a letter dated August 23, 1858, he reported that Mary had cut off a lock of his hair and that he should send it to his mother and sisters. How had Polly explained that to her neighbors in Illinois and that her half-Indian daughter-in-law made better biscuits? Polly dispatched one of James's brothers, Lorenzo, to Kansas to separate James from Mary Jane. Bidding a reluctant farewell to his former fiancée, James and his brother headed west to new adventures. One of those adventures involved spying behind enemy lines during the Civil War and Wild Bill finding his next love while doing it. When the war began, James Hickok, from an abolitionist family, joined the Union Army in the fight to free the slaves. At first, he was a scout and sharpshooter. Then he became a spy, using disguises and Confederate clothing to infiltrate enemy lines and gather information. The first major mission brought him into contact with Susanna Moore, another of his romantic partners. Hickok was a member of a party of men who had gathered information and ridden back roads looking for the Union line. They came upon a cabin in a clearing, and a black man working outside told them they were four guerrillas inside holding two women. Guns drawn, Hickok entered the cabin. The men inside must have been thoroughly surprised, hungover, or just unaccustomed to facing a man with pistols, because Hickok was able to disarm all four. One of the two women was Moore, who, quote, seemed much impressed by Hickok's appearance and by his early mastery of the four guerrillas, according to one account. Suddenly, a squad of Confederate cavalry arrived at the cabin, and a firefight began. After the Union scouts wounded three of the enemy, the remaining rebel riders took off. Hickok and another scout gave chase. His horse was shot dead, but Susanna Moore, who had been following them, stopped and gave Hickok her horse. Off he went again, but he and the other scouts were by then too far behind. They returned to the cabin, picking Moore up along the way. It was too dangerous to stay there, 
So with directions for more as to where the Union forces were, they rode away. She and Hickok would meet each other again soon. Indeed, William Connolly reports that the scouts did not ride away that night. Instead, they and Hickok remained with Moore and her companion. The next morning, he and his men were attacked by a fresh contingent of Confederates. They held out in a small fort against an assault for two hours. During it, Moore stood by Hickok's side, and she, quote, proved one of the most savage and reckless fighters on the Union side, reports Connolly. Now, of course, we must address the legendary romance between Wild Bill Hickok and Calamity Jane. However, contrary to almost universal belief, there was no such romance. Well, let's put it this way. On Calamity Jane's part, there was romance. But Hickok didn't care for her at all. In fact, when they met, he was still a newlywed. Hickok had gotten hitched to the woman who was his true love. Her name was Agnes Lake Thatcher, and her claim to fame, other than being the one and only Mrs. James Butler Hickok, was she was the first female circus impresario. As a girl, her family had emigrated to the United States from Germany, and she had grown up in Cincinnati. Fulfilling a fantasy, she had literally run off to join the circus, having fallen in love with the acrobat and clown Bill Lake. He showed her the ropes of circus life, and she too became a performer, especially as a rider of horses. They were married, and they were so successful together that in a few years, Bill and Agnes owned their own circus, which traveled the country, putting on hundreds of shows a year. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. In August 1869, Bill Lake was murdered, leaving Agnes to be a grieving widow with a young daughter. She became the sole owner of the Hippo Olympiad Mammoth Circus, which rivaled the circuses operated by P.T. Barnum and Frederick Bailey. During the summer of 1871, the Hippo Olympiad arrived in Abilene, Kansas. Her circus troupe and animals had notched thousands of miles on the rails that season, going as far west as Salt Lake City. The local press had been trumpeting the impending arrival of the circus, and people couldn't wait to pay for tickets. Watching clowns, horses, hippos, and such disembark at the train station was a show unto itself, as was the parade down the main street. As work crews set up just to the west of the city, Agnes went to the marshal's office to secure the necessary performance permits. When Agnes encountered Marshal Bill Hickok, their meeting left a marked impression on them both. It was probably more than that, because what began in Abilene would continue for the next five years. Most likely, Hickok attended at least one of the two or three circus performances to provide the required security, as well as to see what kind of operation Mrs. Lake was taking all over the country. He had a lot of company. According to the Abilene Chronicle of August 3rd, the attendance was large at each performance. There would be no lingering to get better acquainted, though. Agnes was a very self-disciplined businesswoman, and she had a lot of mouths to feed. The show must go on. After the final performance, the Hippo Olympiad packed onto an eastbound train for a week-long gig in St. Louis. That's right. Though Wild Bill and Agnes felt a strong and immediate attraction, it took five years for them to be married. During that time, they did see each other and they exchanged letters, but Bill was busy as a plainsman and even a stage actor, while Agnes had a big traveling circus to run. Finally, though, during the winter of 1875-76, while Hickok was in Cheyenne, Wyoming, 
They admitted in letters they could no longer be apart. Agnes made the long, arduous trip west, and in March the two were married in Wyoming. They honeymooned in Cincinnati to be with her family. Then Hickok returned to the West. If Agnes was going to give up the circus life, he had to support her. Wild Bill's plan was to strike it rich like other men hoped to do in 1876 in South Dakota. He left for Deadwood, promising to be back with bags full of gold. It was on the way there that Wild Bill and Calamity Jane met. She needed a ride to anywhere, having been kicked out of one town after another. She drank and cursed and ran around more than any man and had worn out her welcome in much of the West. Hickok and his wagon train going from Cheyenne to Deadwood found Calamity and invited her to go along, though she was told by Wild Bill to keep her distance. Hickok liked Calamity even less when she drank up all his whiskey. In Deadwood, she chased him around some, but Hickok was true to his true love. He wrote his wife letters saying he hoped they would be together soon. However, on August 2, Agnes had another husband murdered. Devastated, she would spend the rest of her life as mostly a recluse and thus faded into the mists of history. Not so Calamity Jane. She claimed to anyone who would listen and wrote in a memoir that her and Hickok had been lovers and even had a child together. The tale of the romance claimed by Calamity Jane would have died a natural death as her memoir faded from memory. However, in 1936, 60 years after Wild Bill Hickok's death, the film The Plainsman was released. The plot had President Abraham Lincoln, before leaving for Ford's Theater on April 14, 1865, personally assigning Hickok on a mission to track down who was illegally selling guns to hostile Indians on the frontier. Arriving in Hayes City, Hickok encounters the newly married and dandified Buffalo Bill Cody. He also finds Calamity Jane, who has been pining away for Wild Bill's return to the frontier. All three become involved in the mission, and it is later when he and Calamity Jane are facing a gruesome death at the hands of Painted Horse and his gun-toting savages that Hickok reveals his true love for her. In the screenplay, facts are mixed in with embellishments and fabrications. Even the assassin Jack McCall makes an appearance 11 years before shooting Hickok. But audiences cared most about the combined talents of Gary Cooper and Gene Arthur and the director Cecil B. DeMille. The Plainsman was boffo at the box office and is still considered a classic Western epic and over the decades it has continued to impress on the public mind that the saga of Wild Bill and Calamity Jane was one of the great love stories in American history. In addition to the fact, not the legend, that the two lie next to each other for eternity. That's right. Getting the last laugh on poor Wild Bill when Calamity Jane died in 1903, she was buried next to him in the Deadwood Cemetery. And that is where the two can be found to this day. For this and many other stories about a true Western legend, make sure to pick up my book, Wild Bill, The True Story of the American Frontier's First Gunfighter. You've been listening to guest historian Tom Clavin. I'm your host, Giles Milton. Tune in to the Unknown History Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or at quickanddirtytips.com. Thanks for listening. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.